Wednesday, 17 March 2021. It's history on the waters of the Hauraki Gulf, set against the iconic landmark of Rangatoto Island. Team New Zealand, the most successful team in the 170-year history of the America's Cup, successfully defends international sports' oldest prize again. The America's Cup remains New Zealand's Cup. 21 years after their first successful defence on home waters, Emirates Team New Zealand do it again in a new class of boat that proves Kiwis can fly. Sailing's most treasured prize, the America's Cup stays in New Zealand. But for how long? I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, could this be the last time we see the sailors off and cheer them back to our shores? I think it's been an amazing experience for, for us as a team to you know, be able to compete in an event like this on, on home soil. Will New Zealand's Cup become China's Cup or Dubai's Cup next time? And what about the sailors? It is a precarious time for any team. We have to learn the lessons from the 2000s that all of the top talent uh, and experience was poached from Team New Zealand. So a challenger of records being confirmed, it's Team UK, and they'll be working alongside the Defender Team New Zealand. The Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron has accepted that challenge. But will the race stay in Auckland? And what needs to be done to change the event from a predominantly rich white man's sport? Today, America's Cup reporters Todd Nile from Stuff and Suzanne McFadden from Newsroom on What's Next. The next event starts today. Really? Absolutely. The whole planning goes from day one. You know, that's part of Team New Zealand's success in this regatta is that the day they came home from Bermuda, they already had a plan and they knew where they were going to go. Being the defender for a second time means you've done most of the groundwork. You don't have to create a new boat. It already exists, and I totally get the feeling that New Zealand will keep the AC-75 foiling Manahal. It has been a great success. They will start working with the Challenger of Record now to build up the event to see what it will look like, where it will be. And uh, the sailors are probably the ones who now leave and go and do other things. You've got Peter Burling and Blair Chuka now away for the next eight months, sailing on Sir Russell Coote's Sail GP circuit. And, of course, they've got an Olympic campaign, if that goes ahead, in July. So the sailors move on to other things. Mm. But Team New Zealand will be trying to keep them as a team now. More on the battle to keep the team together shortly. But what about the battle to keep the race in New Zealand? Where will the next cup be held? In the old days, it was a given that it would be New Zealand, but... It's going to be even harder to get sponsorship money and to get local governments, central governments, to back a big event like this. And so Grant Dalton, Team New Zealand CEO, put it out there to the world mm. who, wants to, who wants to bid for this event. But in the current host agreement with the government and with Auckland Council, which secured it for Auckland, those two parties have a three-month exclusive period to negotiate with Team New Zealand you know, will it stay here? What will the contributions from either be? And, and how will it work? So potentially there's a three-month period where we won't know for sure 
unless something conclusive happens in those negotiations. Do we know how much money would be required? I mean, we know that the government and council together spent about $250 million this year. So would, would, they, would it be about that much or possibly even more? Well, the $250 million is the, the figure that also included all the infrastructure that's been built, most of which, in fact, almost all of which has a life beyond the America's Cup. So the, the, the crucial part of that host agreement was the $40 million which the government paid as a hosting fee to Team New Zealand or its event arm, America Cup Event Limited. So if you like, the price, apart from the infrastructure this time, was $40 million. This is going to be obviously a big part now of the work that they do, is finalising where it will be. I, I know as New Zealanders we can't fathom the idea of it not being in Auckland or in New Zealand, but it is a real possibility. Does anybody know no. who's been bidding? No, we haven't heard, but of course there are the rumours that it could be Dubai because of Team New Zealand's Emirates relationship. Another one is China, and I think that that will be a really strong contender. In China now, they're really starting to get into yachting, and they obviously have the money to put into infrastructure that you'd need. I've heard of them just building entire marinas and building cities around those marinas now. You would wonder the way Team New Zealand is talking about the need to get a hosting fee big enough to spill over and help support the team, you would think perhaps $40 million is not going to be enough. But but we really don't know. And while Team New Zealand talked about having been excited at the early level of expressions of interest from overseas, we don't know how many or what type of formal bids landed uh, by the February 28th deadline in that process. You're thinking probably at least $40 million, a $40 million commitment. I, look, I couldn't put a price on it because you, do, you don't know what other things could happen mm. in a deal. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, one of the things that's always been important for Team New Zealand is early money up front, which has usually been the role of their, you know, their well-off private backers. So, you know, there may be other things that come into the deal, you know, rather than the total sum. I mean, this time the sum's been paid in instalments basically towards the end of the construction period of the event. So... Maybe there are different ways to structure a deal, but that's something that we're not going to know what the other bids are on the table, possibly until the government and the council have worked through whether they're in the game. But what if a better offer comes through from, say, I mean, there's talk of China or Dubai. What if they come through and offer lots more money? Well, all of the overseas bidders, when they've bid, have been told and have known that Team New Zealand has this three-month period that it must negotiate in good faith with the government. So even if their bid was, you know, ten times bigger than what they thought the government would would offer, um, that process still has to play out. But in the end, will it be whoever the highest bidder is, do you think? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's just going to come down to dollars because... Talking to Grant Dalton and Team New Zealand, it's not just the money in the bank. They want the next event to be constructed in a way and on a scale that will lift the America's Cup, that will somehow make it easier for more teams to come in. So he is quite explicit that he is looking not just for the biggest cheque that lands on the table, but something that is, allows the biggest leap forward possible for the America's Cup itself. 
Will we know by the end of three months at the latest who is going to be hosting the next cup? Which, yeah. which centre will host it? I mean, according to the agreements, yes, there's that three-month period, and at the end of that three-month period, the government loses its exclusive right to negotiate, and you would assume that at that point, at the latest, it'll either be a deal done with the New Zealand government, or if there's another good bit on the table, possibly a deal done with somebody else. Just moments, well, very quickly, in fact, after the racing ended, the government announced it was pulling out the pocketbook to help prepare for the next America's Cup. $5 million has already been set aside to keep the team together. But there's a catch. Here's Economic Development Minister Stuart Nash. First and foremost, the race has to be held in New Zealand. Uh, The next America's Cup has to be held in New Zealand. You know, there's no point in giving taxpayers money if the race is going to head uh, offshore. Um, But I think the vast majority of New Zealanders would like to see it held in New Zealand. Certainly the government would, and I know Auckland Council would. $5 million is a droplet, but it's a race against time to sign up the sailors. In Team New Zealand, it's it's a cycle, so the current sponsorships they have, effectively everything ends on the day of the Cup. You know, most of the, I understand the employment contracts end, so, you know, the day after or the week after or the month after, whatever the timing is, you're back to zero, uh, which is a dangerous time for a successful team because they have to retain the key staff. Anyone who wants to come into the game will be looking around, who can we recruit? So that's the period where a team like Team New Zealand will need to have money from somewhere to retain the core people and the talent and, and so on that they need to go on and mount another successful event. So you know, probably all of that stuff is starting to happen already. You know, people have been on the phone to this person or that person saying, look, you know, let's talk. We've seen it happen before, haven't we? We've seen it happen. We've lost our top sailors overseas because they can offer so much more money. Yeah, I mean, that period after 2000, two, you know, 5-0 successes in a row for Team New Zealand, really the core of this, the experienced core of that sailing team, they accepted to go to the Swissalingi team. And really, you could see in the failure of the 2003 campaign what what the loss of so much experience had done to the team. So, yeah, it is a precarious time for any team. And so the lessons are, are written really large with regard to that particular uh, situation. And that's why I think that we're turning our attention now to how can we retain the talent that is at the heart of the now the most successful America's Cup team in history. So how can New Zealand compete with the money in Dubai or China? Yeah, that's going to be very, very interesting. We know that you know, Team New Zealand didn't have the best relationship with Auckland Council through this uh, campaign. and um, Was that mostly because of the, you know, there were questions over the finance side of things and there was an investigation into that? America's Cup organisers can breathe easier after Team New Zealand were cleared of any financial wrongdoing following a forensic audit. Team boss Grant Dalton has long rejected allegations of impropriety and misuse of public money. Even before that, when they were trying to get bases set up and Team New Zealand was you know, appearing at council hearings with their idea of where there would be bases, at that point you know, they were hoping for seven to eight challenges and of course we only had three so I know that that's probably probably it's still a stick in the craw of Grant Dalton. So let's talk about the Royal Yacht Squadron because there's an interesting development there with 
what they want to happen next year. This morning, suggesting that uh, we've got a couple of options for the next Cup 2024 here, or maybe a one-off deal next year on the Isle of Wight between Team New Zealand and Ineos. What do you make of that? Yeah, so far it's still a rumour, but the Royal Yacht Squadron obviously were the original holders of the 100 Guineas Cup that we now know as the America's Cup. Yeah, there's some some bizarre stuff going on because, uh, you know, the the ball's always bouncing in the America's Cup and they and so they're talking about Ineos, I guess, that would be funding the whole thing in terms yeah. of both teams would go do the Isle of Wight and do a uh, America's Cup like it was 200 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Interesting times. Brad, appreciate it as always. Brad Butterworth. The America's Cup, you know, has always thrived on its history. And so... The squadron wants to invite the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron here to bring the cup over to the Isle of Wight, where the original race was held in 1851, and have a one-off race series between the two boats. As far as I know, the America's Cup isn't on the line in that series, but it would be a great way to get uh, Britain and Europe interested in the America's Cup if they've lost interest. But to be honest, 7 million Italian fans have been watching this America's Cup wow. racing every day. So, you know, if, if the Italians had won, mm. it, would been, it would have been going to a new interesting home because the Italians have fallen in love with the America's Cup again and that's great to see but I still don't think that it can rival what we have here as far as support and love for that ugly old silver hue I just think nobody loves it quite as much as New Zealanders do well and then if we lose it the next race is going offshore I mean New Zealanders will find it hard to forgive Grant Dalton and Team New Zealand for that won't they? Yeah they will I really think they will and you know, maybe this is just calling New Zealand's bluff. Yeah, how much do you think it is calling New Zealand's bluff? I'd say 50-50. <laughs> That's my personal opinion, though. Um, but, you know, maybe it is a way to get that support behind them that they need from day one. There's been talk that maybe the next America's Cup will only be two years away so that the infrastructure that's here, the bases are here, can stay. Teams don't have to spend as much money getting their syndicate together because that's one of the things that is still a problem in this event is that it costs too much to put a team together. And that's why we only had three challenges. That was before COVID. How much? Between 100 and 150 million. Wow. Yeah, a lot of money. One thing which is quite interesting, I think, you know, when you come down here and there's the crowds, or if, you, or if you, you know, you're lucky enough to go out on the harbour and, and you see the people on the boats, it's, um, what would you say, it's mostly Pākehā, middle class or rich New Zealanders, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that's an area where Team New Zealand and whoever organises this next event, if it's here, has to, you know, capitalise on the other ethnicities that live in New Zealand but also you know our incredible maritime history with um, Māori and Pacifica Mm. coming here Um, I think that's an area that 
to New Zealand really has to think about and include in the next America's Cup? You've written a lot, you've focused mainly on the women, and there are a lot of women involved in this event, but not nearly as many men, and it's all men that we see on the boats. Is there any chance that that'll change? I would like to see it changed. The Volvo Ocean Race, they encourage teams to have women on board. Sail GP, Russell Kurtz's new event, um, will have one woman in each crew this year. I want to see the America's Cup do the same. And I want it to get to the point where you're not just having women on board because it's a rule, but because, you know, they're quite capable of being there. Okay, there's the argument that they're not strong enough um, to be grinders, mm. but there's other positions on board. Um, so know. not every position requires absolute physical strength? No, not at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, why aren't they? It's the, the idea that... A lot of strength is needed. There's not the same path Mm. that women can follow to get to that pinnacle of the event. The Olympics are also changing. So in Paris 2024, 50% of the yachting competitors will be women, and some of those will be mixed-gender teams. So, yeah, the America's Cup really needs to get with the times and, and follow suit. What do you think the chances are that next time around there will be women on board those boats? I'm going to say I think it it will happen. You know, one thing I've noticed about the America's Cup, you know, you're walking around here and interviewing people and reading stuff and hearing stuff, is there's a lot of scuttlebutt around, isn't there? Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of the whole event. Why is that? It's just been like that since 1851, and... You know, there's been spying and there's been cheating and there's been drama on and off the water and we've seen it this time even. And sometimes if you're not directly involved with it, it can seem very petty, but if you are working on it, it just becomes part of the game. What do you think you'll remember about this one? I will remember being in awe of these foiling monohulls. It just seems ridiculous that these heavy hulls can be lifted up off the water with the help of the sails and the grinders putting all that work in. I'll remember seeing the Team New Zealand grinder, Mike Lee, absolutely exhausted. But that, that looks like exhaustion to me. These guys, yeah. to sail the boat, the grinders are putting out so much power. And that looks like someone who's been putting a lot of effort into getting that boat home. Wow. To the point of collapse after that absolutely bizarre race where Team New Zealand were behind by three kilometres and then won by the same distance. That was Grinder Mike Lee. That was Grinder Mike Lee coming out of the back of that. Well, Freddie called it. He said it's almost harder to be grinding in that light stuff than it is in a, in a breeze. You know, they all have something special and it's going to be a cliche, but I guess living with COVID with this one. You know, the teams that have come down here having to go through that quarantine period, hearing them speak quite emotionally about what it means to be in a part of the world where they can just walk out of their home, you know, without masks and go about their daily lives. 
And don't forget the pictures of that are being broadcast around the world. And what a sight from a drone high above. There's just an armada, a boulevard of spectator craft. There'll be, I don't know, 1,500 or more. Think of a number. All set against the magnificent sight of the icon of Auckland, Rangatoto Island. And to have that contrast the whole time, we're down here having a good time and you watch, you go to the Lunarossa camp and the families and the kids are all running around and you think back in their homes, that is not the kind of life they could leave. And, 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 you know, and the going up and down from level one to level three and level two and the impact that had on the event, you know, that's probably, unfortunately, apart from the sporting side, that's the kind of environment that, that you'll remember this event for. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe for a free daily download from your favourite podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Suzanne McFadden and Todd Nile. Kakite anō. Ka